Blog Talk Radio. Her to speak at any minute. I am reading through her speech as we speak. 
there will be an extension of the closure of CPS schools. They will extend the closure until April 20th. I'm reading from her speech. Let's listen in. Tonight I want to discuss how our great, strong, and resilient city is responding to the unprecedented coronavirus. The impact it's already having on our daily lives, as well as things we should be doing to weather this fierce storm. We start by not forgetting who we are as a people. As Chicagoans, we have faced down many challenges before. We have seen heat waves and polar vortexes, fought through recessions, depressions, and two world wars. And when our city burned to the ground in a great fire, a fire that one historian noted started on DeCoven Street near Halstead and Roosevelt, and it burned over four square miles of our city from the central business district and government buildings, slum areas and neighborhoods of the wealthy, theaters, churches, and sporting houses, and more. We rose from the ashes the very next day to grow bigger and stronger than we had ever been before. We learned from each of these challenges over the decades, and we baked into the lessons learned our preparedness efforts. In each of these tragedies and crises, every single time, heroic Chicagoans of every stripe, young, old, of every race, color, and creed, have risen up and said, how can I help? And we have united and moved forward together. Resiliency and resolve are baked into our DNA. And as a people, this is our moment to prove ourselves and to a nation that in Chicago, we may get bent, but we will never be broken. Let's talk about some specifics about the virus itself and our efforts to combat it. The threat posed by the coronavirus, or COVID-19, is real and growing. I want you to know that we have been and will continue to be aggressively tackling the threat this poses to you and your loved ones. Our Department of Public Health started tracking this virus when the first reports started coming from China in December, almost four months ago. As we prepared for this virus coming to the U.S., and specifically Chicago, our public health and emergency management teams drew upon lessons learned last summer when many city departments and partners participated in a full-scale drill in which we were called upon to respond to a pandemic virus whose circumstances closely mirrored the challenge we are facing today. Public health's daily work consists of gathering and analyzing data on this outbreak from hospitals, physicians, labs, and working in coordination with our counterparts at the county and the state. An all-in, full-out, comprehensive effort to contain the spread of this virus and protect those most vulnerable to it. This data analysis and investigative work has and will continue to inform our response, ensuring it is as effective as possible and allowing us to direct our resources where they are most needed. I want you to be able to lay your head down at night, comforted by the fact that we are ready to meet this challenge. We prepare all year long for crises so that when it comes to our door, we are tested and ready. And we have and will continue to rise up to meet this unprecedented challenge. Our incredible public health commissioner, Dr. Allison Arwady, has built her career around addressing infectious diseases all over the world, working to tackle Ebola in West Africa, MERS in Saudi Arabia, 
and HIV and tuberculosis in Botswana. She worked on response to H1N1 and SARS. Remember those? And Allison and her incredible team of public health are ready. Tune into her daily updates on Facebook Live on The Doctor Is In at 11 a.m. daily and do check chicago.gov forward slash coronavirus for the most up-to-date information. And our first responders, police, fire, EMTs, call takers, and dispatchers, they run to danger every day and meet you in your most distressed moments. They too are ready. And I must acknowledge our fearless healthcare workers, doctors and nurses, yes, but also the aides and orderlies, the cooks and janitors, the volunteers, and everyone in the healthcare chain who are making great personal sacrifices every day on our behalf, thank you, thank you, thank you. And last, but certainly not least, special thanks and prayers go to our people who are the fabric of our social safety network, our libraries, parks, community service centers, and the social workers and others, all of whom staff these facilities are vital and providing a place for people in need now more than ever. What do we see as the next steps in fighting this virus? A couple of important things that I will mention here. First, we've repeatedly asked throughout this crisis that if you are sick, stay home. Most of you have listened, but some have not. And those of you that have not, have not only put yourselves at risk, you are endangering the public. We have documented an increasing number of cases in which sick people went to their workplace and got other people sick with the coronavirus. Today, at my direction, the Department of Public Health issued an order that until further notice, if you are sick with respiratory symptoms like cough, fever, or shortness of breath, but also, and importantly, if you are beginning to feel sick, body aches, fatigue, sore throat, you too are ordered to stay home unless seeking medical care or other essentials like food. If you violate this order, there have to be consequences. Please be smart, be safe, and stay home if you are sick. That's an order. Let me also repeat, if you are a member of a vulnerable population, that means people over 60, but especially people with underlying medical conditions, stay home if at all possible. Put your health first and don't put yourselves or others at risk. Now I know these restrictions are causing hardships, but we are doing this to save lives, pure and simple. We have seen what these extreme measures have yielded in places like Japan and Singapore. Those countries have started bending the arc of the virus, and China is reporting progress for the first time. These measures work, and we need them now as this virus progresses here in Chicago. Next, let me address the anxiety that many are feeling about the status of our schools. As you know, on Tuesday of this week, schools were closed through March 30th by order of the governor, who closed all schools, public and private, across the state. In consultation with Dr. Arwady and Dr. Janice Jackson and her team at CPS, given what we anticipate as the continued upward trajectory of the virus spread, I'm announcing now that Chicago Public Schools will be closed through April 20th 
with students returning on Tuesday, April 21st. We need to give parents and guardians plenty of advance notice about this reality and the ability to plan. CPS and the city will continue to support you in the ways that they have through these early days of the school closures. A thousand thanks of gratitude to everyone inside and outside of CPS who have been stepping up for our kids and our families. I want to especially thank those who have contributed to the fund to support food services for CPS families, notably Ken Griffin, who today donated $2.5 million, $1 million to CPS and $1.5 million to the Greater Chicagoland Foods Depository. Ken and others are exhibiting extraordinary civic leadership at its finest. Let's talk dollars and cents for a moment. No question that our local economy is being hit hard by this crisis. Most notable is our hospitality industry, conventions, hotels, restaurants, bars, and other forms of entertainment and service industries are suffering. Many have shared the immediate issues of cash shortages, concerns about making payroll, and for many, the very survival of your business is in question. We also see the needs of our airlines, airports, and the related businesses that depend upon air transportation every day. Our mass transit is also being hit as people appropriately follow the directives to stay home and employers have activated teleworking options for their employees. Know this, we have the incredible benefit of being a strong and diverse economy. In other instances where similar industries were hit, here in Chicago. For example, as a result of 9-11 and more recently, the Great Recession of 2008 and 2009, our local economy in Chicago and the region bounced back strong and quickly from these downturns. We are working at all levels of government, local, county, and state to make sure that the final tale of this economic challenge will be the same, a strong comeback. I will talk more about this in a moment. I have also received a number of questions about city finances and revenue. While this crisis is certainly adversely affecting many parts of our local economy, I want to assure you that our city finances remain strong, and here's why. By design, no single revenue stream is more than 13% of our overall revenues. And what we call economically sensitive taxes, meaning those that are most sensitive to potential downturns, like sales taxes, our share of state income taxes, recreational and hotel taxes. In the aggregate, these taxes make up less than 25% of the revenue streams for our city budget. We have more than sufficient cash on hand, and we prepared for a potential economic downturn as part of the projections we released last year for our 2020 budget. Finally, it helps that we received an unexpected $100 million windfall from refinancing our debt earlier this year. And we are looking at other opportunities to leverage the low interest rates that currently exist. Be aware that we continue to monitor this situation on a daily basis, and our Chief Financial Officer, Jenny Bennett, and her team are on the case. So while city finances are weathering the storm, for many individuals, this is the financial challenge of a lifetime. Here's some immediate steps we have taken to help relieve the burden on you. We have suspended many of the debt collection 
ticketing and impounding practices that the city engages in until April 30th. This includes the spending, the booting of cars, late fees and default on payment plans for all city debt. This includes parking tickets, red light camera and speed violations, and utility bills. We will not make any collection efforts until April 30th at the earliest, and we will not be referring you to debt collectors. And accordingly, the Chicago Administrative Courts is continuing all court dates until at least April 30th without any interest penalties. No city debt checks will be conducted for rideshare and taxi drivers. And we are limiting ticking and towing and impounding of vehicles to public safety-related issues. Given the economic pressures that many of you are facing as a government, we are stepping up to do our part to take a brick off your back. We know that this temporary suspension will bring some measure of relief. I want to also note and thank Sheriff Tom Dart, who previously announced that he is delaying enforcement of all eviction orders until April 30th. I call upon all property owners to give tenants some grace wherever possible during these trying times. No one needs the added stress of evictions, certainly not now. Similarly, I call on banks to grant relief from foreclosure efforts during this crisis. Thanks also goes to the Chicago Community Trust and the United Way for setting up the Chicago Community COVID-19 Response Fund, which will provide help on food, rent, and other items of need. Also, as you know, at the beginning of my administration, we ended water shutoffs for residential customers. Water is a basic human right. Today, I took the additional steps and called upon all of our suburban water authority customers, that's 125 suburban communities, to immediately take necessary action to also stop water service disconnections for non-payment, as our state grapples with the COVID-19 pandemic. I applaud and thank those communities that have already taken this important step. While we must address the individual needs of our residents during this challenging time, it is also important that at the city level, we also take a leading role in supporting our small businesses. When we support small businesses, we support their workers, who in turn help uplift the vibrancy of our neighborhoods. That is why I am proud to announce the creation of the Chicago Small Business Resiliency Loan Fund. This fund will start with more than $100 million in targeted low-interest loans to severely impacted small businesses. These loans are designed to provide much-needed cash flow relief for neighborhood entrepreneurs. This is a public-private partnership involving a $25 million grant by the City of Chicago, $50 million in capital by the Chicago Community Catalyst Fund, as well as $10 million from Goldman Sachs Urban Investment Group. Thanks to City Treasurer Melissa Conyers Irvin for her partnership in this effort, as well as to the Goldman hey, team. Victoria, no. I also need to acknowledge and thank Fifth Third Bank, who has pledged $1 million um, to the fund as well as Bob Clark and his colleagues at Clayco Construction, who have pledged $250,000. We invite, actually we urge others from business, philanthropy, and individuals to contribute to this fund. It is a meaningful way to help our small businesses 
meet payroll, avoid layoffs, and survive under extraordinarily dire circumstances. In addition to the Resiliency Loan Fund, we are providing further relief to small businesses by extending the due dates for tax payments until April 30th for the following taxes. Bottled water tax, checkout bag tax, amusement tax, hotel accommodation tax, restaurant tax, and the parking tax. I finally want you to know that we are in daily conversations with our federal partners and particularly our Chicago area congressional delegation. Thanks to Senator Durbin and Duckworth and all of the Congress people who touched Chicago for being our champions in Washington, D.C. We have said, and they know, that federal stimulus packages must bring immediate relief to individuals, not just big businesses, through help like extending and increasing unemployment benefits and more grants and loans to small businesses. Localities like Chicago should not be shouldering this burden alone. Folks, this is a B-sized problem, meaning something that can only be solved with billions in needed stimulus support from the federal government. In closing, let me say this. I am, of course, your mayor, but I am also a wife and a mom. I'm a friend to many and a neighbor. My team and I have worked tirelessly over these last 10 months to build an administration steeped in compassion and empathy, to reflect the realities of your lives and everything we do. And now in this moment that challenges us all, I want you to know that far from abandoning these core principles, we are placing them front and center in everything we do. I care about the people in the city that I may never meet, just as I care about my own family, my beloved friends, and my neighbors that I see every day. We have not shied away from facing hard truths and speaking openly about the need for love. And Chicago, we need to love each other with all our hearts today and every day. While this is a time of physical isolation, we need to stay connected. We need the warmth of smiles hellos and thank yous, the words of comfort and acknowledgement that each of us, regardless of our station or circumstances, matters. Gwendolyn Brooks got it right. We are each other's harvest. We are each other's business. We are each other's magnitude and bond. These words are truer today than they have ever been. Our challenge is not over and our work is not done. But we will get through this together because we can and we must. God bless you and our great city. Please be safe. You also be Several safe. developments announced there by May- enforcement officers, our firefighters okay, is, uh, and ambulance drivers, our grocery workers, truck drivers, our pharmacists. Let's be good to them. The stay-at-home order is an opportunity for the rest of us to do our part to protect the people who are on the front lines of this fight and the people who are most vulnerable to its consequences. I ask you to help them out by simply staying at home. You'll be keeping the virus from spreading and you'll be helping the heroes who live and work in your neighborhoods. Today I'm issuing a call to action in the fight against COVID-19. We're in the middle of a battle and we need reinforcements. I'm asking all former physicians, nurses, physicians, assistants, 
nurse practitioners and respiratory care therapists who've recently left the field, whether for retirement or a new profession, to come back and join the fight against COVID-19. We need your help now. We'll be waiving the fees and expediting licensure so you can rejoin the healthcare workforce right away. On Monday, your healthcare license reinstatement form will be available on the Illinois Department of Financial and Professional Regulation website. That's at idfpr.com, idfpr.com, and on our COVID-19 website at coronavirus.illinois.gov. These applications will be processed on an expedited basis and we'll be coordinating with hospitals and healthcare sites throughout the state to deploy these re-enlisted medical professionals to the front lines. Also for medical professionals, professionals whose licenses may be expiring, we are automatically extending your licenses through the end of September. Finally, for healthcare workers living at our borders who may be practicing in cities outside of Illinois, we're going to make it easier for you to also practice here. This will allow health systems in places like the Quad Cities and East St. Louis to deploy physicians where they are needed most on either side of the border. This is HERO's work, and all of you have our deepest gratitude for your willingness to serve. As I mentioned yesterday, we are working to expand the availability of childcare for all our essential workers through a new expedited emergency childcare center license to provide care in much smaller group sizes than standard centers. Already we've had more than 150 centers apply for this license. My Department of Human Services is also developing a grant program to support centers and homes serving the children of low-income essential workers. If you're a provider, an interested organization, a parent or guardian, you can learn more about these options on our coronavirus.illinois.gov website in the coming days. On that note, I just want to take a moment to thank our child care workers from the bottom of my heart. In this time of instability, these providers have remained a silent and steady force of helpers who serve such an important function across the state. We could not keep our essential workers going without your service, and I am so deeply grateful for all that you do for their children. Lastly, let us remember that this virus is not tied to any specific ethnic group or race. People from every demographic, every race, ethnicity, gender, or background have been infected. Suggesting otherwise, or engaging in racist speech or acts, is one of the most profoundly un-American things that I can think of. Instead, the current crisis should drive home to all of us just how connected we all are. We can choose how we want to come out on the other side of this, Let's choose to be one Illinois. I'd like to introduce the director of our Department of Public Health, Dr. Ngaze Azike. Thank you, Governor. Again, my name is Ngaze Azike, and I'm proud to be part of this administration serving as the Illinois Department of Public Health director. I have to share with you the additional cases. We've added 168 new cases 
and unfortunately that includes a death. A gentleman in his 70s who resided in Cook County. That brings our total to 753 cases with a total of six deaths. And for each of the families represented by these fatalities, we all offer our support and prayers. This virus is here and it's in our communities. All of your governmental leaders at the local and state levels are working seven days a week to do all that's possible to mitigate this situation, to lessen illness, and mostly to decrease deaths. What's important now is to try to reduce the further spread and prevent our healthcare system from being overwhelmed. As your governmental leaders do our best, we are asking that you as individuals also do your personal best. Some of the ways you can do that are simple but powerful. And that includes washing your hands frequently for 20 seconds with soap, the social distancing, staying home when you're not well. In addition, you can protect those people who are on the front lines, the doctors, nurses, physician assistants, all the healthcare workers who work so hard to care for those who are sick, including knowing that they could encounter oh and will encounter people infected with coronavirus. Nevertheless, they go to work every day, putting their health at risk, knowing that they are encountering these patients. I want to also add my thanks for these brave, strong, dedicated men and women. During this unprecedented public health emergency, stocks of personal protective equipment also known as PPE, are being used rapidly. The availability of critical resources such as gloves, gowns, eye protection, and N95 respirator masks is essential. To maximize the state's availability of this PPE, IDPH released guidance to limit non-essential adult elective surgery and other medical and surgical procedures, including dental procedures, until further notice. We are encouraging strongly all ambulatory surgery centers and veterinarians to donate PPE that is not immediately needed to assist healthcare workers, healthcare facilities, and first responders who are on the front line actively responding to COVID-19. I implore people to do what needs to be done to prevent additional people, including our crucial healthcare workers and nursing home staff workers, from becoming sick. Stay home. Yes, that means sacrificing, getting together to celebrate what should be some festive milestones. Let's all stay home so that we can all celebrate down the road. All of our actions have significant eye protection and N95 respirator masks is essential. To maximize the state's availability of this PPE, IDPH released guidance to limit non-essential adult elective surgery 
and other medical and surgical procedures, including dental procedures, until further notice. We are encouraging strongly all ambulatory surgery centers and veterinarians to donate PPE that is not immediately needed to assist healthcare workers, healthcare facilities, and first responders who are on the front line actively responding to COVID-19. I implore people to do what needs to be done to prevent additional people, including our crucial healthcare workers and nursing home staff workers, from becoming sick. Stay home. Yes, that means sacrificing, getting together to celebrate what should be some festive milestones. Let's all stay home so that we can all celebrate down the road. All of our actions have significant consequences. For those who won't make these sacrifices, that puts all of us at risk. We are seeing how interconnected our entire community from the top of the state down is. We really want to take care of our medical providers who may need to care for your loved ones if they become similarly infected and need heightened care. The science is clear and common sense is even clearer. If you don't have the virus, you won't get sick. If you're not exposed to someone who has the virus, because you stayed at home, then you don't get the virus, and you don't get the virus, you can't spread the virus. It's as simple as that. Let's stay home and try to keep our whole state as healthy as possible. And with that, I will summarize the points for our Spanish-speaking community. Hoy reportamos 168 nuevos casos de COVID-19 aquí en Illinois. When you're down and troubled
who's given a full account of what the president said yesterday is the one Democrat who was president, who was president, Illinois Senator Dick Durbin, a leading advocate for Dreamers and other immigrant groups. In a series of press appearances this morning, Durbin recounted exactly what happened inside the Oval Office. The president came into the Oval Office and Senator Lindsey Graham and I made our presentation. As Senator Graham made his presentation, the president interrupted him several times with questions. And in the course of his comments, uh, said things which were hate-filled, vile, and racist. We have a group that have temporary protected status in the United States because they were the victims of crises and disasters and political upheaval. The largest group is El Salvador, and the second is Honduran, and the third is Haitian. And when I mentioned that fact to him, he said, Haitians, do we need more Haitians? And then he went on when we started to describe the immigration from Africa that was being protected in this uh, bipartisan measure. That's when he used these vile and vulgar comments, calling the nations they come from shitholes. 
the exact word used by the president, not more, not just once, but repeatedly. My colleague, Republican Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina, spoke up and made a direct comment on what the president said. I was very proud of him. It took courage for what he did. And um, I made my own comments in response to it, but for him to confront the president as he did, uh, literally sitting next to him, took extraordinary political courage, and I respect him for it. He said, put me down for wanting more Europeans to come to this country. Why don't we get more people from Norway? That was exactly what the president said. I'm joined now by Democratic Congresswoman Maxine Waters of California. So, Congresswoman, you have Dick Durbin saying that when uh, immigration from Haiti or the TPS situation from Honduras and Haiti and El Salvador was described, Donald Trump said, Haitians, do we need more Haitians uh, on the question of Africa? He called those nations shitholes. That was exact word used by the president per Lindsey Graham. And then uh, the last bit here, Donald Trump saying, put me down for wanting more Europeans to come for this country. Your thoughts, Congresswoman? Well, you know, I have called him uh, what I know him to be for a long time. Uh, remember some time ago I called him scumbag? Uh, I've called him a racist, deplorable, despicable, uh, added to what others are calling him, a moron, ignorant, on and on and on. The United States of America is represented by the most despicable human being that could possibly ever walk the earth. I don't know when Americans are going to tire of this lying man. Uh, it has been documented that he has told over 2,001 lies since he has been in office. He name calls. He basically disparaged a United States Congresswoman and basically said she would do anything for a contribution. Talked about, as you know, during the campaign, grabbing women by their private force. What more do we need to see or hear from this racist man? Not only is he racist, uh, he is an embarrassment uh, for this country. Our allies are quickly moving away from him. What are we waiting for? He is basically bringing this country down. And for all of those Republicans on the other side who stand with him, who claimed to have been patriotic, they are not patriotic. They are with not the guts to stand up or they join him as racist. And so I, I have known this. Uh, and I've called for his impeachment over and over again. I've been criticized for it, but I don't know what else we need to say about him. I know a lot of people are saying, let's see what Mueller is going to do. Is he going to connect the dots? Well, this man has obstructed justice right before our very eyes. We keep hearing about all of these meetings and connections with the Russians uh, by his family and others. I simply believe that not only has he colluded, and of course he has obstructed justice, but his character is such that the United States and the citizens of this country, rather, should not be willing to tolerate. He's a bad image for our children, and he should be impeached. We should move him out of office. The American citizens who are fed up with him are looking for Congress to take responsibility and do what we must do and impeach him. Get rid of him. Get him out of here. And, and you know, Congressman, you 
you hit on a point because when you say how much more can we tolerate and you know I think all those of us who are in this business hear from people all the time what can we do and it, the, the truth is that only Congress can rein in a president of the United States and that impeachment or censure has to begin in the House of Representatives I want to play you two pieces of sound from the Speaker of the House Paul Ryan and the way he reacted to Donald Trump's racism back on the campaign trail and the way that he reacted to what we just learned that the president said um, in the
right, let's get to Mayor Lori Lightfoot, expecting her to speak at any minute. I am reading through her speech as we speak. There will be an extension of the closure of CPS schools. They will extend the closure until April 20th. I'm reading from her speech. Let's listen in. Tonight I want to discuss how our great, strong, and resilient city is responding to the unprecedented coronavirus. The impact it's already having on our daily lives, as well as things we should be doing to weather this fierce storm. We start by not forgetting who we are as a people. As Chicagoans, we have faced down many challenges before. We have seen heat waves and polar vortexes, fought through recessions, depressions, and two world wars. And when our city burned to the ground in a great fire, a fire that one historian noted started on DeCoven Street near Halstead and Roosevelt, and it burned over four square miles of our city from the central business district and government buildings, slum areas and neighborhoods of the wealthy, theaters, churches, and sporting houses, and more. We rose from the ashes the very next day to grow bigger and stronger than we had ever been before. We learned from each of these challenges over the decades, and we baked into the lessons learned our preparedness efforts. In each of these tragedies and crises, every single time, heroic Chicagoans of every stripe, young, old, of every race, color, and creed, have risen up and said, how can I help? And we have united and moved forward together. Resiliency and resolve are baked into our DNA. And as a people, this is our moment to prove ourselves and to a nation that in Chicago, we may get bent, but we will never be broken. Let's talk about some specifics about the virus itself and our efforts to combat it. The threat posed by the coronavirus, or COVID-19, is real and growing. I want you to know that we have been and will continue to be aggressively tackling the threat this poses to you and your loved ones. Our Department of Public Health started tracking this virus when the first reports started coming from China in December, almost four months ago. As we prepared for this virus coming to the U.S., and specifically Chicago, our public health and emergency management teams drew upon lessons learned last summer when many city departments and partners participated in a full-scale drill in which we were called upon to respond to a pandemic virus whose circumstances closely mirrored the challenge we are facing today. Public health's daily work consists of gathering and analyzing data on this outbreak from hospitals, physicians, labs, and working in coordination with our counterparts at the county and the state, an all-in, full-out, comprehensive effort to contain the spread of this virus and protect those most vulnerable to it. This data analysis and investigative work has and will continue to inform our response, ensuring it is as effective as possible and allowing us to direct our resources where they are most needed. I want you to be able to lay your head down at night, comforted by the fact that we are ready to meet this challenge. We prepare all year long for crises so that when it comes to our door, we are tested and ready. And we have and will continue to rise up to meet this unprecedented challenge. Our incredible public health commissioner, Dr. Allison Arwady, 
has built her career around addressing infectious diseases all over the world, working to tackle Ebola in West Africa, MERS in Saudi Arabia, and HIV and tuberculosis in Botswana. She worked on response to H1N1 and SARS. Remember those? And Allison and her incredible team of public health are ready. Tune into her daily updates on Facebook Live on The Doctor Is In at 11 a.m. daily, and do check chicago.gov forward slash coronavirus for the most up-to-date information. And our first responders, police, fire, EMTs, call takers, and dispatchers, they run to danger every day and meet you in your most distressed moments. They, too, are ready. And I must acknowledge our fearless healthcare workers, doctors and nurses, yes, but also the aides and orderlies, the cooks and janitors, the volunteers, and everyone in the healthcare chain who are making great personal sacrifices every day on our behalf. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And last, but certainly not least, special thanks and prayers go to our people who are the fabric of our social safety network, our libraries, parks, community service centers, and the social workers and others, all of whom staff these facilities are vital in providing a place for people in need now more than ever. What do we see as the next steps in fighting this virus? A couple of important things that I will mention here. First, we have repeatedly asked throughout this crisis that if you are sick, stay home. Most of you have listened but some have not. And those of you that have not, have not only put yourselves at risk, you are endangering the public. We have documented an increasing number of cases in which sick people went to their workplace and got other people sick with the coronavirus. Today, at my direction, the Department of Public Health issued an order that until further notice, if you are sick with respiratory symptoms like cough, fever, or shortness of breath, but also, and importantly, if you are beginning to feel sick, body aches, fatigue, sore throat, you too are ordered to stay home unless seeking medical care or other essentials like food. If you violate this order, there have to be consequences. Please be smart, be safe, and stay yeah. home if you are sick. That's an order. Let me also repeat, if you are a member of a vulnerable population, that means people over 60, but especially, especially people with underlying medical conditions, stay home if at all possible. Put your health first and don't put yourselves or others at risk. Now I know these restrictions are causing hardships, but we are doing this to save lives, pure and simple. We have seen what these extreme measures have yielded in places like Japan and Singapore. Those countries have started bending the arc of the virus, and China is reporting progress for the first time. These measures work, and we need them now as this virus progresses here in Chicago. Next, let me address the anxiety that many are feeling about the status of our schools. As you know, on Tuesday of this week, Schools were closed through March 30th by order of the governor, who closed all schools, public and private, across the state. In consultation with Dr. Arwady and Dr. Janice Jackson and her team at CPS, 
given what we anticipate as the continued upward trajectory of the virus spread. I'm announcing now that Chicago Public Schools will be closed through April 20th with students returning on Tuesday, April 21st. We need to give parents and guardians plenty of advance notice about this reality and the ability to plan. CPS and the city will continue to support you in the ways that they have through these early days of the school closures. A thousand thanks of gratitude to everyone inside and outside of CPS who have been stepping up for our kids and our families. I want to especially thank those who have contributed to the fund to support food services for CPS families, notably Ken Griffin, who today donated $2.5 million, $1 million to CPS and $1.5 million to the Greater Chicagoland Foods Depository. Ken and others are exhibiting extraordinary civic leadership at its finest. Let's talk dollars and cents for a moment. No question that our local economy is being hit hard by this crisis. Most notable is our hospitality industry, conventions, hotels, restaurants, bars, and other forms of entertainment and service industries are suffering. Many have shared the immediate issues of cash shortages, concerns about making payroll, and for many, the very survival of your business is in question. We also see the needs of our airlines, airports, and the related businesses that depend upon air transportation every day. Our mass transit is also being hit as people appropriately follow the directives to stay home and employers have activated teleworking options for their employees. Know this, we have the incredible benefit of being a strong and diverse economy. In other instances where similar industries were hit here in Chicago, for example, as a result of 9-11 and more recently, the Great Recession of 2008 and 2009, our local economy in Chicago and the region bounced back strong and quickly from these downturns. We are working at all levels of government, local, county, and state to make sure that the final tale of this economic challenge will be the same, a strong comeback. I will talk more about this in a moment. I have also received a number of questions about city finances and revenue. While this crisis is certainly adversely affecting many parts of our local economy, I want to assure you that our city finances remain strong, and here's why. By design, no single revenue stream is more than 13% of our overall revenues. And what we call economically sensitive taxes, meaning those that are most sensitive to potential downturns, like sale taxes, our share of state income taxes, recreational and hotel taxes. In the aggregate, these taxes make up less than 25% of the revenue streams for our city budget. We have more than sufficient cash on hand, and we prepared for a potential economic downturn as part of the projections we released last year for our 2020 budget. Finally, it helps that we received an unexpected $100 million windfall from refinancing our debt earlier this year. And we are looking at other opportunities to leverage the low interest rates that currently exist. Be aware that we continue to monitor this situation on a daily basis, and our chief financial officer, Jenny Bennett, and her team are on the case. So while city finances are weathering this storm, for many individuals, 
This is the financial challenge of a lifetime. Here's some immediate steps we have taken to help relieve the burden on you. We have suspended many of the debt collection, ticketing, and impounding practices that the city engages in until April 30th. This includes suspending the booting of cars, late fees and default on payment plans for all city debt. This includes parking tickets, red light camera and speed violations, and utility bills. We will not make any collection efforts until April 30th at the earliest, and we will not be referring you to debt collectors. And accordingly, the Chicago Administrative Courts is continuing all court dates until at least April 30th without any interest penalties. No city debt checks will be conducted for rideshare and taxi drivers, and we are limiting ticking and towing and impounding of vehicles to public safety-related issues. Given the economic pressures that many of you are facing as a government, we are stepping up to do our part to take a brick off your back. We know that this temporary suspension will bring some measure of relief. I want to also note and thank Sheriff Tom Dart, who previously announced that he is delaying enforcement of all eviction orders until April 30th. I call upon all property owners to give tenants some grace wherever possible during these trying times. No one needs the added stress of evictions, certainly not now. Similarly, I call on banks to grant relief from foreclosure efforts during this crisis. Thanks also goes to the Chicago Community Trust and the United Way for setting up the Chicago Community COVID-19 Response Fund, which will provide help on food, rent, and other items of need. Also, as you know, at the beginning of my administration, we ended water shutoffs for residential customers. Water is a basic human right. Today, I took the additional steps and called upon all of our suburban water authority customers, that's 125 suburban communities, to immediately take necessary action to also stop water service disconnections for non-payment as our state grapples with the COVID-19 pandemic. I applaud and thank those communities that have already taken this important step. While we must address the individual needs of our residents during this challenging time, it is also important that at the city level, we also take a leading role in supporting our small businesses. When we support small businesses, we support their workers, who in turn help uplift the vibrancy of our neighborhoods. That is why I am proud to announce the creation of the Chicago Small Business Resiliency Loan Fund. This fund will start with more than $100 million in targeted low-interest loans to severely impacted small businesses. These loans are designed to provide much-needed cash flow relief for neighborhood entrepreneurs. This is a public-private partnership involving a $25 million grant by the City of Chicago, $50 million in capital by the Chicago Community Catalyst Fund, as well as $10 million from Goldman Sachs Urban Investment Group. Thanks to City Treasurer Melissa Conyers-Irvin for her partnership in this effort, as well as to the Goldman team. I also need to acknowledge and thank Fifth Third Bank, who has pledged $1 million um, to the fund, as well as Bob Clark and his colleagues at Clayco Construction, who have pledged $250,000.
We invite, actually we urge others from business, philanthropy, and individuals to contribute to this fund. It is a meaningful way to help our small businesses meet payroll, avoid layoffs, and survive under extraordinarily dire circumstances. In addition to the Resiliency Loan Fund, we are providing further relief to small businesses by extending the due dates for tax payments until April 30th for the following taxes. Bottled water tax, checkout bag tax, amusement tax, hotel accommodation tax, restaurant tax, and the parking tax. I finally want you to know that we are in daily conversations with our federal partners and particularly our Chicago area congressional delegation. Thanks to Senator Durbin and Duckworth and all of the Congress people who touch Chicago for being our champions in Washington, D.C. We have said, and they know, that federal stimulus packages must bring immediate relief to individuals, not just big businesses, through help like extending and increasing unemployment benefits and more grants and loans to small businesses. Localities like Chicago should not be shouldering this burden alone. Folks, this is a B-sized problem, meaning something that can only be solved with billions in needed stimulus support from the federal government. In closing, let me say this. I am, of course, your mayor, but I am also a wife and a mom. I'm a friend to many and a neighbor. My team and I have worked tirelessly over these last 10 months to build an administration steeped in compassion and empathy, to reflect the realities of your lives and everything we do. And now in this moment that challenges us all, I want you to know that far from abandoning these core principles, we are placing them front and center in everything we do. I care about the people in the city that I may never meet, just as I care about my own family, my beloved friends, and my neighbors that I see every day. We have not shied away from facing hard truths and speaking openly about the need for love. In Chicago, we need to love each other with all our hearts today and every day. While this is a time of physical isolation, we need to stay connected. We need the warmth of smiles hellos and thank yous, the words of comfort and acknowledgement that each of us, regardless of our station or circumstances, matters. Gwendolyn Brooks got it right. We are each other's harvest. We are each other's business. We are each other's magnitude and bond. These words are truer today than they have ever been. Our challenge is not over and our work is not done. But we will get through this together because we can and we must. God bless you and our great city. Please be safe. The George Wilder Jr. Show. Several is developments off the announced air. there by Thank Mayor Lori Lightfoot as she.
up the black home If he struggles one more day Heaven help the white man if he turns back away Heaven help the man who kicks the man who has a cross Heaven help the son Hatred from the mighty and the mighty from the small. 